the voices of podcasting. So we have Rob Greenlee, Todd Cochran, and Rob Walsh. So tell us a little bit about what, what you do. You've been doing it for a long time, so like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, my name is Rob Greenlee, and I've been a podcaster since 2004. I started on, on the radio on, with the National Syndicate Radio Show for about six years or so, and took my show as a podcast. I've been working behind the scenes in the podcasting space, building platforms for distribution of podcasts for like 10, 12 years now, and even longer, actually, more I think about it. Um, but I've been a podcaster through that whole time. I do two podcasts. One's called The New Media Show with Todd, and I do another one for Spreaker. So I'm the, the vice president of podcasting relations for Spreaker, and I do the show called Spreaker Live Show. Uh, my name is Todd Cochran. I've uh, been a podcaster since 2004. I'm also the CEO of Raw Voice Blueberry Podcasting. We're a podcast hosting search provider. Um, like Rob said, I do a, go, do a show with him, and I also do a tech show. Um, some of my history, I was one of the first uh, podcasters actually ink advertising deals when it, they said it couldn't be done. So that's kind of going way back. But other than that, I'm heavily involved in space. I'm Rob Walsh. I've been podcasting since 2004 as well. Um, my job at Lives in the podcast relations, which means, in short, I get paid to talk to podcasters. Yeah. I'm living the dream. <laughs> How exciting. So what what are you doing about the British film? I don't know if they're still here. Sure. What? what was the question? What do you think? What I think the future of podcasting. Oh, what do I think the future of podcasting? Wow. Um, I think it's just steady growth. I think we're gonna to continue to to improve um, the content. I think the, the platforms that are gonna give you access to podcasts are gonna to continue to improve. Um, I.e. Google and Android, I think those are the keys to the, to the future. You think about how many Android devices that are out there, uh, there's still a big growth potential. Uh, I think the car is important as you look to the future. Uh, people you know, transition more and more over to, to podcast-type content in the car. Um, so I think those are the key things. The smart speaker stuff, I think, is a little bit still up in the air about what the opportunity is there. This is a prior conversation. <laughs> Talking about um, you know, group listening versus um, you know, in the ear listening. So. You know, if I think about where we're headed, I also want to consider where we've been. When this space started, there was no iPhone, there was only iPod, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, there was no Instagram. Um, you know, we just come off of uh, Napster getting hammered. You know, there was just a the space was completely different, and we. We build huge audiences with none of the tools that are available today. So with all the available social tools, with the ability to have a website, a brand, and have you know, Google ranking your page uh, for, the, for your content, and at some point you're soon they're going to be uh, indexing the actual audio and using that as part of search results. The future is bright for podcasting, especially because you know, when we talk about the age groups of people that are consuming content, in the very beginning, believe it or not, it was a 25, 30 plus group that was consuming content. And now we have people that are, like you had someone said, a 12 year old that's listening to content. So that generation is going to continue to move forward and it'll be ingrained in podcasts are cool and this is something I should listen to. Uh, how many of you have teenagers at home? You know, in, in my house, uh, they don't listen to radio, but plug 
into Spotify or whatever they're listening to of the week. So they're they're growing up digitally. Um, it doesn't bode a lot of um, goodness for radio over the long haul. The radio's got a very strong future for foreseeable future, but digital's where it's at and podcasting is gonna go nothing now. And when you look at the future, a lot of people don't give enough credit to the present of where podcasting is. People think podcasting is a niche medium, and, and it's far from that. Uh, in the U.S., the monthly listeners in the U.S. series that sound is about 35 million. Uh, Spotify is about 55 million. Uh, Pandora is about 7 million. In the U.S., it's 90 million people are listening to podcasts each month. It's a mass medium with niche content. People don't seem to get that. And that number, that 90 million, to continue to grow, grow, grow. And as Rob mentioned, we haven't even tapped Android yet. We're at 90 million with a four and a half to one ratio iOS to Android. Uh, and on average, the typical iOS device consumes 25 times more podcasts than the typical Android device. So where we're going is up because we haven't even tapped at half the volume. I'm sorry, it's, it's the same amount of scientific research put into it. 
You know, I think though, if we look at the reality of the space, what's a beautiful thing about podcasting right now, it can be consumed anywhere. I've always said I don't care where my audience consumes my podcast as long as they consume it. I don't care if they get it from Spotify. I don't care if they get it from Pandora. I don't care if they get it from YouTube. Wherever they get it, they get it. Um, well, at the same point, I'm every episode telling that audience subscribe, 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 subscribe because I want them locked in. Well, for many years, um, podcasting has been defined by downloading, right? So downloading and syncing to a portable device. Well, now we're starting to see, you know, Spotify and some of the streaming, streaming platforms, you know, you just click play, right? Um, you don't have to download, you don't have to subscribe. All those functions are a little bit, um, you know, challenging us as we think about what a podcast is. And, uh, you know, there's some issues related to metrics and tracking and monetization when it comes to, you know, subscribe versus download, but, you know, it's, it's an interesting question around, as we look to the future, you know, is a luminary experience uh, behind a paywall, is that a podcast? It's probably not being delivered in an RSS feed, so, you know, I think these are questions that the industry has been wrestling with for many years, and um, I don't know that we have a clear understanding of what direction we want to go with this. I think we're still in, in a real experimental phase. And I think Luminary is going to challenge us to think about what a podcast is. And one thing that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to touch on is where podcast was. And at the time when you all started, there was no social media or Twitter, or there wasn't like, I mean, Max send a tweet to everyone. So now, would you tell a podcaster when they say, oh, it's so hard? Would you say, do you have it so easy now, or what would you tell them? That would be kind of acting like an old curmudgeon if I did that. It's like we all walk both ways up and go to school, right? So no, it's it's a situation where um, now it's just we use the tools that we have and people are looking for more ways. They're obviously they they're trying to grow audience. And I think that's one of the fundamental things that's facing the space is that we have to as a community figure out how we get the rest of the world listening. And like Rob said, the Android audience, uh, get them engaged, get them listening to podcasts uh, to grow the media. But sometimes podcasters are their own worst enemies in that in their own shows, they never even mention Android as a device where a podcast could be consumed. Apple, 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 well, what about Android? How many of you have Android phones in your pocket? So right there, you know, that alone just shows you a little bit. What we see typically in Martin Lipson, you know, over 57,000 What we see in typical month is uh, 63% of consumption is the downloads are to Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Number two is Spotify at a 9.5%. So, and then after that is Overcast and, and Shakira Podcasts, Podcast Addicts, and Podcast, um, Cast Talk, and, and Google Podcasts. I think those are the top ones. But the reality is Apple Podcasts iTunes is more than all the other aggregator apps combined and doubled. Um, what we have seen as a trend over the last few years is the consumption of social media and people's own websites. That keeps dropping each month as a percentage. Um, and aggregator apps and the RSS feed is now 93% of consumption comes from an RSS, their RSS feeds from one of the different places. And I keep hearing people talk about killing the RSS feed. 
But the only thing that is ever going to kill an RSS feed is an asteroid. Um, and when it takes us all out. But other than that, the RSS feed is, is growing in significance, not, not diminishing. So then we get into the preliminary conversation. So is that, what do you think of that? Well, you know, I saw a great quote from one of the people luminary and said, we, luminary, for those who don't know luminary, let's explain this to those that aren't aware of luminary. Uh, luminary wants to take readily, easily findable content and make it hard to get access to. Um, that is like the opposite of RSS. And Luminary and they said they want to be synonymous with, with podcasting the way that Netflix is synonymous with streaming. And five years from now, Luminary will be synonymous with podcasting, but more along the lines of how Hindenburg was synonymous with air travel. And, and that's the prediction for Luminary five years from now. And you can come back to me and see me five years and see if I was right or wrong. And, but I, I would put 20 hell bet with any audience that I would probably be right. I would say, from my opinion, um, some people will pay to consume that content. Those are super fans. I think in the radio industry, what do they call it, a P1? So those are the super fans that are going to go and pay for that service. But you know, they've got to um, you know, they got a hundred million dollars, and that that money is going to run out at some point, and they're going to have to have a, a viable business. And if anyone in the house wants to spend a hundred million in podcasting, I think the three of us could figure out a better way to spend it. I do think that there's going to be some audience that, that shifts to a premium. Uh, it's been going on in the medium for, for since the medium has existed. Uh, I think the, the, the key thing is, is that, um, you know, to, as a content creator, putting your, your content behind that um, limits the audience. Um, and I think it depends on the model that you have. If you want to make money off of subscriptions or you want to make it off of advertising, you have to decide what you want. The scale of what you're doing. If you think about radio, radio was built on advertising, and then went to scale. Um, so, I think that the advertising model is going to win out as far as the scale, and um, that's where we're going to see most of the most of the content continue to be. And, and you, know, they mentioned the last time, instant, 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 and and Luminary is the first one tried this, by the way. How tried this, and, and how was part of Scripps mid-roll. And to put things in perspective, Mark Maron used to have premium content. He, his 50 most recent episodes available, and then everything beyond that was premium. And at one point in time, he had 43,000 paid premium subscribers. And then he moved that to how with a bunch of other content where people were paying for not just his content, but others. And six months later, they had less than half of what Mark had on his own. Why? Because people weren't paying for Mark's premium content. They were basically donating to Mark. And it's that intimate feel. And when you have a luminary and a how and any of these others that, you know, Amazon Audible tried, any of these others, people, listeners, don't want to pay and donate to a cold third party. They want a direct relationship with the producer. They want to know that the dollar they give is a dollar gone to that producer, or at least 92 cents if they're using Patreon. Uh, right? They want that direct relationship, and they lose that when you do these aggregation of multiple shows behind the paywall. I know a lot of people, even at this show, that ask me about monetization of their show. Should they go to a premium model? And I think your show has to have a significant uh, audience in order to do that. You know, if you've got a thousand listeners who listen to your podcast every episode, the premium model is probably not the model to go unless you're talking to neurosurgeons or something to that effect, something very specific. 
you got 100,000 people listening to your show, well, man, yeah, maybe some premium content will be worth doing. But if you only have 1,000 people or 100 people or 10 that sign up for premium, you're still obligated then to create the premium content, which in turn, you got to figure out the math on that to say, was it worth my time to do the premium or not?
So if you're a content creator and you've made it past episode 23, you're part of a very small percentage that has made it. You hear about these big numbers of 700,000 podcasts in Apple Podcasts. Well, there's 550,000 shows that aren't creating any content right now, or 600, yeah, 550,000, by the Elementary math is right. Um, because really, there's only about 150,000 active shows currently in the space. Yeah, I have tried to ask some people that closed down accounts why they closed down. And what I found is the ones that were closing down to 10 or lower, it was more work than I thought it was going to do. And the ones that were closing down in the, in the 40 or 50 episode range, or, or you know, the above 23 that I mentioned, um, but less than, than 100, what those people, the number reason was, um, they realized they weren't going to make money at it. They had gotten into it for the wrong reason. They got into it to make money from day one, and when they had gotten to episode 50, they realized, well, at 150 episodes, that an episode, and after 50 episodes, I'm probably not going to make money at this thing, and then gave it up. Um, and, and then after that, the ones that was usually life got in the way. It was if they had been and they had heard episodes, the most, the number one reason was um, I just couldn't do it anymore. I had a kid, I got married, I got divorced, whatever the reason. Sometimes with the divorce, yeah, some people I that. And by the way, it is okay to do a podcast to not make money. That can be, you know, that's. Probably 80% of shows out there anyway. Well, that's how this medium started. It, it, it started as a medium that was anti-commercialism, as a response to over-commercialization of radio. So, think about where we came from. So it's a great segue to talk about how the radio is intertwining. I mean, we're in a broadcasting conference, right? So how now radio is coming into the podcast world, and you see the broadcast media podcasts, and you see a lot of radio hosts coming into their podcast or creating podcasts and this like this this intertwining of worlds. So given that podcasting started as a medium to share information, to provide value to listeners and to just give, what are your thoughts on, on how the industry has evolved? Well, you know, the, the radio space, let's be frank, there's some amazing talent in the radio space. You know, the, no one does audio better. You know, those that are allowed to do audio better, they're on some, uh, not on some programming track. So you have uh, this ecosphere of creators that, you know, been doing audio, you know, since really the beginning of, of time, if you, if you want to think about it that way. But um, I think radio is starting to come to the realization that they have to do something, and maybe at some point they're going to have to start investing some more dollars. And as we invest, or as we invest time with radio groups and, and consult with them, you know, no one wants to listen to three hours of drive, but someone may want to listen to the ten-minute interview with the coach, the five-minute interview with the band, um, whatever those little special segments in the, in the morning or afternoon drive. Those make great podcasts for the local community to be able to promote on the morning drive. Say, hey, listen to. Uh, you know, Coach Tom yesterday on the podcast uh, that, we, you know, that we put up yesterday. Um, so for radio, and they've got a megaphone that's unlike anyone else, so if they can't be successful in podcasting, no one can. So we are very, my company's very excited about radio's engagement in podcasting. Yeah, I tend to think, um, 
you know, I've been on the radio myself, I've done podcasts for many years. I tend to think that um, the best fit for podcasting with radio is an extension of the radio brand, and mainly around original content, and not necessarily repurposing what's on the air, though Todd's right, some other content that exists on the air can be repurposed into podcasts, but when you really think about the difference between what a podcast is and what a radio show is, um, you know, the, the content is interrupted by many commercials, it's a very short segment. Uh, podcast has a beginning and an end, and so it, it's a different experience than radio. So, you know, certainly the, the radio industry has a lot of talent, has a lot of production ability, they have the ability to produce terrific content, they just have to think about it as something unique from radio. I, I thought, you know, a podcast is a good way for radio to find the next town. And you, know, you got people that want to get on the air, well, rather than put them on the air, put them on a podcast and see if it's successful, and, and let them improve their chops that way. So, you know, it's okay to do that. It's okay also if you've got a morning DJ that's obsessed with woodworking, let them go to a woodworking podcast and tell them to stop talking about it in the morning. Right? So, you can do that, you can use it, you don't have to just repurpose. But I think all too often, producers just want to get, and that I'm talking with, want to get lazy, they just want to take what they've already created and just put it out there and repurpose it. And, and don't want to do any extra work. Now, you know, some of that has to do with there's a lot of resources, and I understand that. Um, but you always have someone that wants to get on the end, right? That's why they join your radio station and your insurance. Let them do a podcast. You got mics at 3 in the morning, one, two, one, two seconds. Let them come in and do, their, do that. And with, with many of the budget cuts in radio, you know, I go to the radio website sometimes and I laugh because they don't have anything on lifestyle, they have nothing on arts, they have none of this content that the community is generally interested in that's happening in the community or maybe nationwide. So why not go out and find those shows that are in the podcast ecosphere that fill those content voids on your station? You may not put them on the air, but at least put them somewhere in Bannerhead that says this is available content that we think is good for you, our local community. Um, that may drive some innovation to allow a new revenue stream to come in where some of that will actually be monetized by the local Ford dealership or whoever is selling ads for the radio group. We are ready to start opening it up for audience questions. If anyone, just make your way to the mic. <laughs> Todd, I want to follow up this thing you said. You said, if someone had $100 million, the three of you guys could probably come up with a better use for it. So if we write you a virtual check for $100 million, what would you do? In all honesty, I don't want to lay that lay down on the table, but I would say we would probably roll up a bunch of stuff. And at the same time, uh, I think there's huge opportunities in the content space. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, consolidation is going to happen in the podcasting space as it is no matter what. You know, we see the deal Spotify made and the money that they spent, uh, like drunk and sailors, it was kind of entertaining to watch that. But it's good for us, obviously, because it raises valuations. Uh, maybe they're not completely true, but for our, the space is still pretty small, you know. And you know, Rob's numbers are publicly available because they're a public company on how much revenue they make. Guys can look it up. And uh, hundred million buys you a lot in the podcasting space, a lot. And uh, so, someone that really had some ambition could really do some damage uh, with hundred million dollars. And let's not. It may have, but there is a bubble right now in money being spent in the space. I mean, 
the mouth was spent. It is a bubble. But that doesn't mean that there's a bubble in podcast consumption. It's just a bubble of people spending money in the podcast space. Consumption has grown steadily year over year over year. Every quarter has gone up. People love their podcasts. That's not going to change when the bubble bursts. When the bubble bursts, there's just going to be some VCs shaking their head going, why did we do that? Oh, because the other guy did that. Oh, okay. And they'll do it again five years later. Yeah, I don't think that the bubble's as big as maybe we think it is. Um, I, I think that what we saw with Spotify was an anomaly, not, not really representative of the whole industry of where we're at, because it, it was over the top. It was mess. I know, I think there's a lot of us that would love that valuation, but I'm not sure that it's real. So I, I just would be skeptical of it. I think we're going to get there, and I think that the path of the industry is, is on the great, great path. I just don't, I just wouldn't put a lot of those valuations being real. But that said, though, Rob, to get us to a billion dollars in advertising spend in space, we have to have more listeners. And we have to have more great content. And then that valuation will be what, what, what it needs to be, right? So as us as content creators, our goal is let's get the listeners. And like we were talking about earlier, those Android listeners, let's get them on board. And, you know, we have to grow the space continuously from a listener base. We won't, we won't get to a billion. And, you know, the radio guys are laughing. You, know, you guys are at a billion yet. So, you know, we're, we're, we're small. Rob, the entire um, tech industry is a farce in value. <laughs> um, yeah. um, so you're all amazing community leaders in the podcasting space. And if it wasn't for Rob Greenlee, who was my mentor at, in podcasting, I would have never made it past my third or seventh episode where most podcasters drop off because there aren't the listeners coming as fast or the money coming. What do you recommend um, for podcasters to, what can we do as a community so that early podcasters, indie podcasters can make it past those initial episodes and really build a, a beautiful storytelling narrative for their shows? Podcasters have to start t taking advice beyond 128 characters. They have to do some research on their own. They have to start studying the space a little bit. Um, I spend at least 50% of my time, I hate to say it, um, countering bad advice. So as a community, we have to be careful on the advice that we give podcasters that are starting and make them understand that this is a marathon, it's not a sprint, and that uh, someone new stepping up to the mic. When I strapped down a microphone in October 2004, a little lab tech headset, that first show was horrendous. And I look back at show 50, and show 50 compared to my episode 1,358 that I did last week was horrendous. So you don't even find your voice until 100 episodes, and maybe even 200. So it, it's, as content creators, we have to put the time in, just like any other trade, to build our, our audiences. And you can't expect instant success. If you're an Adam Carolla and you have this you know, this limelight of TV, of course you're going to have a quarter of a million listeners immediately because you're Adam Carolla, but most of us are not that person. The other thing, make sure you pick a topic that you want to listen to, not what's trending at the top of the podcast charts and Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, too often people come in and they want to do another true crime podcast because those are the hot thing right now. Um, do what you want to listen to. Not what you think people want to listen to. Thank you, Mr. for the nice words. It's, it, it's been great to see you succeed and, and grow, and, and now you're building a podcast network, and it's really exciting. 
Uh, and she's a great example of, of uh, somebody that kind of came into the space, really listened, uh, really embraced the space, got involved in the community, uh, and, and really was able to, to build something significant for herself. And I think she's a really great example of, of how an indie producer can, can succeed in this. And think community, think about your listeners, connect with people, get in the real world. This is a personal medium. Uh, people love to connect with people that they like. And so that's, that's the key, I think. One of the best tips you gave me early on that I was really resistant to is you said, Spree, you have to put your face on your cover art. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to put my face on my cover art. And you said it's not about that. It's because in the podcasting world, listeners have a personal relationship with the host. Right. And you want to carry that through with your cover art. And I did it, and it was the right choice. And I wouldn't have made that this choice without you really pushing me to make that decision. They want to know who you are, right? They want to connect with you. Really do. And I, I think I will piggyback on your comments also as a creator. To to me, what helped me when the numbers weren't growing to what I wanted them to be was am I providing value to one person? And is one person listening what I'm saying? And am I changing their perspective, their life, whatever? One person, I'm okay with that because I'm changing my life. So, and then from there, that person will tell another person because word of mouth spreads when you have good ideas, right? Okay, question. Um, so you mentioned that consumption has been steadily growing, um, and my observation has been over the past couple of years that podcasting has become trendy, right? And what do you think is the real impetus there, and what do you think is the real reason for that? Is it a specific podcast that became popular? Is it social media? And do you think social media has played a role? And, and overall, I mean, I think you touched a little bit on social media. Do you think it, it's having a positive or negative effect on podcasts? All right, let's clear one thing. Sierra did not cause podcasting to grow. Sierra was not the first podcast. Sierra came out two months after iOS 8 went native and Apple Podcasts. That is what grew podcasting, not Sierra. What Sierra did was it appealed to newspaper reporters who were lazy and said, ooh, there's a podcast that I like. Podcasting hasn't been around a lot. I'm going to write about podcasting and say it's back. But the reality is, if Serial had really grown podcasting, we would have seen the growth in Android. We didn't see that. We saw it on iOS, and that was because Apple went on iOS, and that became native. And podcasting has grown steadily. There has been a media coverage bubble because of Serial, and thank you, Serial, for that. But the reality is, if you look at Serial as a quote-unquote breakout hit, less than five, around 5% five of podcast listeners have ever listened to Serial. That's, right, and only half the people in the US have ever listened to a podcast. That's two and a half percent of the population. MASH, over 50% of the US population have watched MASH. Roots, the original Roots, 70%. That's a breakout hit. Serious, two and a half percent. That's like a good cable TV show. All right. You know, no news is bad news. The serial, uh, you know, the, I guess the coverage on serial definitely helped. Um, but going back to your social question, um, I look at social media as a tool uh, for my show. I, I, and this is nothing to you notice, he's a creator, I'm a creator, Rob's a creator, we all do shows, not all people in podcasting do shows, and they should, because they don't understand how hard it is. But I use social in, in a little different way. I do a live show, which then turns into a podcast. 
And for me, the social part of it is, is I get interaction from Twitter, I get on Facebook Live, I get it from YouTube, I get that instant gratification feedback, which is for me awesome. And I record a show at 8 p.m. Hawaiian Standard Time when 90% of the United States is already in bed. So, um, it's true. So, yeah, not long. Um, so social is, is good and it's a great way to reach an audience, but you also, social is not enough. Um, I talked over a couple of years about 13 different things I did to grow my show. Book, trade shows, press, reaching out to television stations, speaking at local events, uh, going where my audience was going. That's how I built my audience. Social, they come in because of those events and, and then connect them to the show and make them, as I call part of my account, part of my family and listeners. So social is just a tool for me. Well, and you've also gone to like the Consumer Electronics Show, done hundreds of videos, drove traffic to your website, right. built your brand. Right. So it's, it's getting out of your, your mold of just thinking of social media. You've got to get out in the real world. You've got to connect with people. You've got to go where your audience is as much as you can. If you can identify it. some genres of podcasting content, it's hard to find those people because they're kind of scattered amongst the population. But genres that you can target and aggregate at conferences or events or whatever, or do live, live events too. Those are great um, venues for more shows that are more on the entertainment side or comedy or whatever. Get in a comedy club or do things like that to connect with people in the real world.